people want to know where where um, their 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 things come from and the stories that come to tell with that. And that's really the key thing is that I know where this is made. I know that it came from a really great source um, and there's a story behind it with everything. And so I think that's where the interest in makers, it's also about talking about and supporting your local community and also growing local resources um, that you have there. Welcome to the Wonder Podcast. This is your host, CCB, and we are going to have a lovely conversation this afternoon with another interesting and influential character from the design world. And we love to talk about the breadth of design as it relates to uh, people and place and culture and, and societal influences, if you will. And so we're very, very fortunate to have with us today Joan Insel. And I'm going to say welcome, Joan. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much, CCB. I'm so honored to be on this podcast with you. Well, we're gonna you're gonna, you know, work for your your honor here for this yeah. in the conversation. <laughs> so, um, Joan, if I um take a few minutes and tell us uh what your background is and how you got to be the um, the influential character that you are today. And we're going to talk about your influence. Okay. Yeah, I, I can tell you, I can be, I try to be a character as much as possible. Um, I would definitely say that uh, my background is in architecture. I actually had a degree in architecture, but I should not be designing buildings. That just is, I am not good at that. It was not something that was really interesting to me. And I didn't learn about that until I actually got into the work world. Um, but it has served me very well because after architecture, I really, really enjoyed graphic design and um, learning about typography and how to communicate with, you know, and doing visual storytelling. And that was really quite wonderful. And that actually grew well into working into storytelling within architecture and interior design. And then from that, I jumped into brand strategy and consumer trends and consumer insights. And I've always enjoyed watching people um, and just seeing how they interact with spaces and places. And it helped that I understood architecture and design. And so I just married those um, two things together to really pull through and really work at designing, um, as I would say, doing brand translations from words to design in the, in the real world. And I've really enjoyed doing that. And you've been um, you've been very successful in it. Um, I have been. I was very very lucky that I happened on a place that could really like nurture me. Okay, well, I was going to say that ma that marriage between uh, uh, education, passion, interest, and then a small bit of luck, you yeah. might say. Yes. Most people, yeah, most people, it's more of the former as opposed to the latter being yeah. luck. Um, but anyway, so uh, so you've done you you. A lot of your work has been involved in the retail area yes. uh, of of places and the, the interaction of people with those places and those brands. So could you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. So I've been working with on, on retail projects for probably the last 10 years. I've worked on both large scale commercial projects as well as small scale um, store store projects. And really, and I would say within the last three years, we've seen a lot of change happen quite rapidly. Um, and that's been interesting, but it's been going on all along. And I always like to look at the root word of, of words to understand where they come from. And the French and the word for retail um, would be the root word, the French word, excuse me, um, retailer, which means to retailer. 
And we have to think about that retail needs to retailer on an evolving basis. If it doesn't, then it's not going to work. And part of that retailering is personalization, which is key right now in the in the big world of retail. It's also about making it, you know, making it easier and effortless for you as a shopper. And then also that retailering means about, you know, really focusing on convenience. And all of to help us do this all together would be through the use of technology as an enhancer and enabler and not something that's front of face to the consumer. Um, what does all this really mean to brick and mortar? Well, brick and mortar is here to stay because it, people need people. And, you know, I know it's kind of that that song that people need people. I'm not going to start singing it here. I don't have a singing voice. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and I only know the first li few lyrics of it anyways. But people really do need people. And the pandemic with us all being cooped up and, you know, wearing our masks and not being able to go out necessarily as freely as we used to, we really want to be back in touch with people. And that we want to, you know, whether it's through community or through just shopping and touching things, but enlivening all the senses, not just our visual senses that we're seeing um, that we can do when we do online shopping. We want that tactility and we want that in-person tactility um, more than anything. Um, Wait a minute. I'm going to break in here for a minute and just say sure. that's really, really fascinating because you think that um, there already had been kind of a, um, and you talked about this earlier, that waves and how trends yes. kind of move yeah. back and forth and they have, you can tell us what you think of the lifespan is, but the, um, the, the trend towards um, makers and having more, uh, you know, as opposed to the streamlined industrial, we can have uh, as many of these things as we want. People want more personalized, yes. want more individualized. And that's been kind of going on for a while now. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. And so trends usually go on like a 10 year cycle of being uh, um, how people are moving and um, going towards certain things. If you just I always like to say I like to braille the culture to really understand what's going on in the world. And you're seeing that um, you can see a lot of that happening right now. Um, and I would say that the one thing that's um, really key is as we think of trends coming and going, we see this really good, and it's, I wouldn't say that this is a trend, but it's definitely a movement that needs to happen, this idea of inclusivity. And this idea of inclusivity means everyone is equal and everyone's welcome. But at the same time, what we're seeing right now is also a rise in club memberships and exclusivity. So that's one thing. To get back to the idea of the makers, people want to know where, where um, they're their their things come from and the stories that come to tell with that and that's really the key thing is that i know where this is made i know that it came from a really great source um, and there's a story behind it with everything and so i think that's where the interest in makers it's also about talking about and supporting your local community and also growing local resources um, that you have there and you know you talked about the the streamlined corporate you know of retail putting goods and services out there we can take a look at peloton which does in very much way does have a very good you know personalized experience and everybody wants to get on board but their main issue right now is the supply chain and so that's broken and that is not that's why the local makers are also such a, a valuable part of the um, ecosystem in retail uh and that's um we're, we're seeing more and more of that now with uh the, yes um identification with community and yes. support to community because yes. uh because we've been you know uh disenfranchised because we've been um distributed because we haven't had connections but also because of 
you know, arguably some of the um, the more global trends that yeah. have been having a negative impact on yes. on folks. Um, so, so as you're sitting here talking about those changes that are taking place and it, it and cities, you know, and communities, there's going to be. I'd love to hear um, you share with us the trends that you are, you know, kind of perceiving for the way that that places might change. What kinds of, yeah, what kinds of shifts are you seeing? We're, we're definitely seeing a focus on more the local and community, and people have described it as the anything from the 10 to 20-minute city. I think Korea is making a 10-minute city is the one that they're focusing on where you can walk everywhere. And it's really focusing on physical mobility, so that's that physical health. So you're going from mobility to well-being and capturing all of that. That's going to continue to stay, that we know that as we grow. And then that also goes into more of the, the social responsibility, whether it's you know climate change, um, carbon zero, um, all of that stuff is all coming together. And it's people joining together in like-minded efforts to really bring that up in, into one solid, um, in your, into your local community where you live and where you live and where you work can be the same now, as we all know, we're not all necessarily going back to our downtown offices, which is one thing that the downtowns really need to think about is now that they no longer have a group of commuters coming down on a daily basis to downtowns, how are you going to get people in that large scale continue to come downtown? What is my reason for going there? And so I think downtowns need to really rethink what their role is in the lives of people that don't work there anymore. Huh, that is fascinating. That's really fascinating. Um, yeah, we had a conversation recently with um, with another fellow, you're up in the Pacific Northwest, with yes. another, uh, another futurist trend thinker um, about mobility yeah. and the nature of uh, the nature of mobility and how it's probably going to become more of hop skip, you know, at, yeah. um, to get places yeah. as opposed to once again factoring in uh, um, climate change and concerns yeah. and and um, and so the the impact on place just seems to be since place is such a uh, um, it's the most difficult change yeah. because it is the physical change. Yes. Uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, to think about what cities, huh? Yeah, what what is going to happen to those cities? Are they going to become a lot of micro downtowns? Um, interesting, at the beginning of the pandemic, there were um, talks that much of the downtowns were going to now be um, really focused on um, spaces for those local makers. And so that you would see something new and different. And it wasn't something that you can necessarily see through an online, you know, nationwide department store or anything to that matter. But it was something that was unique to your community that you could share. Um, on the flip side, that once consumers all start going towards that trend, then that trend starts to reverse itself and says, no, now we want mass produced products because of this, this and this. And there will be new technologies that say that, well, mass produced is better for the environment. Well, there will be something that comes out of all of this. It's just that cyclical nature that um, as human beings um, that we're, we're part of. So that's very curious when you think about the storytelling and yes. that stories um, stories are constants. Stories yes. are are human. Stories yes. are communication. Yes. Uh, and so the the link between you know the trends and the the kind of uh, focus intended. Um, I'm going to say what's the word I want. I'm sorry. Um, 
the amount of focus that we have to remain yes. you know, looking at one kind of thing before we get you know, bored and or yes. need something different. And you see that so much more in retail with yes. cycles and, and collections and things like that. But where did where did that kind of go when it comes to the way that people are using spaces? Is there any trend change? It's definitely, and this is, you know, the word that everyone is using right now is that hybrid experience. It's not just retail, it's retail and workplace. It's retail, workplace, and hospitality. And we, you know, we've seen a lot of places that have started to bring those three things together in the past, whether intentionally or not. I think of the Ace Hotel lobby in New York, that they wanted people to come in and sit down. I think of the third spaces that um, Starbucks created about that place between work and home. WeWork was definitely trying to um, go in that direction. They're just, their business model was based on a low margin. And so you really can't, that there's not a lot of growth there if you have a low margin. So you have to really take a look about through all aspects of what you're trying to do. Um, I think the workplace of the future is also going to entail the retail of the future as well as hospitality of the future. Um, there, These are all meeting spaces uh, when you think about it. And so we really need to uh, understand what people want when they they go there to these those meeting spaces. Do they want to have the same thing that they have now, or do they want something new? Um, you know, familiarity is always comfortable, and that's great. But we also want a little bit something that's new or exciting, and sometimes mind blowing. And so it's really going to depend as we uh, as we move forward into that. I think um, going forward, you know, retail bricks and mortar is going to be here to stay. It's just not. It's it's got to evolve to something different. Um, and if it doesn't, then um, we have to figure out what that needs to be. Um, I know from a sustainability aspect, more and more people are, you know, they're looking into different types of what is it rental, is it subscription? I think the great thing about doing a subscription type of service is that brings in recurring revenue to your business. And so it can um, continue going. Starbucks loyalty program is a great concept of that. Um, but, you know, as human beings, we like to see different things. We don't want to have the same old all the time. We have to have that balance and that balance leads to well-being, which I know we all are embracing right now. Okay. So I'm going to break in here and say, um, <laughs> there's a reference. I mean, there's, there's a ton of reference here to, yep. um, to American or, you know, us yep. kind of, um, yes. but you work all over the place. Yes. Yeah. You work so, all over the world. So, um, so what are the, what are the similarities that you're seeing in trends? Sustainability, sustainability definitely is here to stay. We're um, starting to see that in China pre-pandemic. Um, there's um, Plum, which was a resale um, program that was going on there, but that was happening in China. You're seeing that in the Middle East right now. It's greatly, they're realizing that, I mean, Saudi Arabia has their KSA Vision 2030. That's really picking up and it's focusing on well-being, a thriving and vibrant economy and physical health. And so in order to do that, tourism is a big part of their, um, is a big part of that Vision 2030, as well as leisure and entertainment. And again, so that's all about bringing people to places. And so how do you make those places work? That's, you know, that's a common thing. Every place is doing this, whether it's in the UK or, um, or in China or in the Middle East and in America. They're just slightly different in what the infrastructure is and how you go about doing it. And of course, weather considerations as well. Huh. Um, okay. So who, uh, who hires you? 
Um, right. And so you get um, I, lots of people hire me. So right now it's um, um, real estate development firms, mm -hmm. um, retail design firms, retail um, and retailers. You get people that are, it's quite vast and an interesting group of people, but there's always something, what's great about it is there's always something that I can learn from, but also apply what I've learned um, to the project at hand and what needs to happen in those places. So it's quite exciting time right now. I'm always uh, literally fascinated with uh, folks that have uh, numbers of interests. It, it, yes. And we're seeing much more of that yes. right now, that there's a broader set of interests in individuals that we're yes. bringing to the, yes. um, you know, to the environment, to our yes. environments, to our conversations. Um, and what do you think, and this is kind of an off topic, kind okay. of thing, what do you think education is going to look like or needs to look like, you know, to support some of these trends that you're talking about? So education, especially in the upper, um, I would say college and university education, that needs to be opened up again. It seems to have gotten really closed off. I know that when I graduated from the University of Washington, it seemed like it was a fairly easy place to get into. But um, now it seems like they've really focused down. The cost of education is not easily accessible to all. I, I think when I went to college, it was maybe um, the it was like $450 a quarter. <laughs> Granted, that was a long time ago. However, I, I think the, the cost of education has more than increased anything else and not everyone has access to it. So it needs to be more democratized so that everybody has a chance to learn and grow. And we need to make it much more diverse. Um, and not just saying that people that you, you see these, um, you know, certain there's networks that are formed within certain universities and then they grow from that and that informs the business models. And I think the more diversity that you have and that will help open up things much, much more. And so really start taking looking at um, the education. So and I, I, I would agree that a liberal arts um, focus is quite good because it does open you up to many ideas. It just starts thinking about what's appropriate for you and what you're good at and how you can move forward, but not necessarily go into a place because you want to make a lot of money. I think that's, you know, we need to shift away from that and what's best for you as an individual. And so it goes down again to personalization. <laughs> yeah. And you, you're taking me to the, um, the, one of the other conversations that I wanted or topics I wanted to bring up, which was um, we're hearing so much more about purpose today yes. and it's yeah. purpose of organizations, it's purpose of individuals, it's purpose of, you know, communities. So there, there feels like, you know, a, 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 a better connection now between yes. what uh, the good of the, you know, the, the entity. Yes. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and everything else around us. However, you know, we also have everything else that's going yeah, on in society today. Yeah. So from a trend standpoint, how do you square those things? How do you like, you know, take the, the big external context, you know, and the, and the local factors or influences? It's going to depend on the company, the brand that you're working on and what your approach is to that and how and how you want to embrace it. But don't come up and say, I think right now you're seeing a lot of companies say they're purpose driven brands out there, 
but it's not like they're holistically purpose-driven. They're just like selectively being purpose-driven. And so you see a lot more of that social responsibility reports coming up. And it's like, well, we've done this and we've done this. And it's just like, that's great. But what is your overall ethos and how you approach that? Is that in your company's vision statement? And that's what you know people are going to start looking for. It's not whether you'd click the box off on this program or checked it off here. It's you really need to have a holistic approach. I think REI is a great example of a purpose-driven company. Patagonia is another one. They really put their money behind their mouth and everything that they say. And they're really, you know, there for um, whether it's the environment or the consumer, they are there to really make things um, make things good for a better, oh. better world. Well, okay. So um, we pretty much talked about like so many things that I wanted you to weigh in on. Um, I wondered if uh, there's this other bit about the connection to technology and data um, that we haven't really addressed. And I know it was big in um, it's big in retail yes, has it been for a while. But could you talk about that? And what is, where are there going to be similarities that you are seeing? So it's interesting. So tech, um, data is huge. Everyone's like, give me the numbers, give me all of this. And I agree that any type of information is very valuable. Um, I, I, I think I was reading somewhere that someone likened Google to God because we ask Google all sorts of questions, like, you know, about that we would normally ask a higher being <laughs> for outside support, which, you know, and then I'm just like, can you imagine all that information that Google has on us that we're talking to them about this on the data? And I'm scared. I get to work on a variety of projects and I don't look at things that are necessarily important to me, but I'm just wondering, it's like, well, when I worked on that project that was solely focused on the male customer, who do they think I am? Because now I'm getting all these ads that are directed towards male and it's like towards men but I'm not that it was only because I was researching it. So it's interesting to see how their algorithms are forming a picture of me personally. Don't know how that means. Um, data is very useful. Um, I think data really um, talks to us about um, telling us, how is it? It's the, it's the rational side uh, and it tells you the what, this is what we're doing you know, and what we're buying, this is how much we're buying, how much time we're spending, but it doesn't necessarily always tell you the why. And that's where it's putting that data together in a narrative or in a story form that will really make it um, sing within a retail environment. Um, I was just reading this morning, um, one of the um, uh, one of the big developers was saying that they could no longer use foot traffic as a as a means of saying that um, their stores were successful or not. They had to actually look because no people aren't coming into the store anymore. They're shopping online. And so even though the foot traffic is down, the sales are up. So we have to balance the data and the rational with the emotional to really understand the why are they coming or why are they not coming and then really make sure that we make those touch points about when they do come, really make those um, make those sing and really increase that, um, that attention span that we have on the customer um, to both the rational and the emotional so that they come back more and more and more so that we all those touch points we maximize on. You should be doing, you know, workplace uh, consulting right now for uh, return to the work. Well, no, I'm just, it, yeah. the, the stories, uh, the, the power of the story, the need yes. for connection, the, um, the intention for being there, the, you know, what's the draw, the destination, 
yes. all of these things are the same conversations. That yes, they are. You know, Absolutely. And yep. You're so well positioned to have yes. been looking at it since retail. Um, and then also the, the hybrid nature of everything. And of yes. course, we're tired of that word. But what is this blend of, you know, of space and, and purpose and intention that needs to be designed and communicated yes. again to your story? Yeah. Because communication um, has become even more valuable given the fact that we have been so, you know, distant and yes. dispersed. Yeah. And so um, how do we have these? Even though we're sitting here talking on Zoom and you can do this yeah. all day, but it's not the same. No, it's not. I'll tell you a story. So this was a woman that I met. She worked for a large financial institution. And this was about 2010, um, 2011. So about 10 years ago. And she was actually working remotely. She was working from home and the company decided that 40% of the workforce would work remotely to save on real estate costs. Because we knew at that time, real estate was the second highest cost and, uh, next After employee. people. Yeah, or yeah. first, which is good. And then it was um, real estate. And so they wanted to save money on real estate. And so people were working from home and she hated being on calls all day. And she just, she would just stay in her pajamas. I mean, it was pre-Zoom, pre, you know, it was very archaic back then if you can think about it. And she said that she would just come into the office once a week so that she could dress up and meet another human being. And that's where we are now. So that was 10 years ago that people were already aware that they wanted that they wanted that hybrid approach and they wanted to, um, you know, be balanced from both working at home, but also being able to choose to go. And mm. so that's what it comes down to. It comes down to choice. People like to have choice. It's, they like to have control. They like to have a sense of belonging. And if we apply that to retail, if we apply that to workplace, hospitality and healthcare, all the categories, you know, we'll just, if we keep remembering that, um, will continue to be successful. And so, but that just means listening to what the consumer wants. Okay. You just ended like, boom, drop the mic. That was so perfect. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> I know I, I meander and I pull from so many things. So, oh no, but it's such a great, um, it's such a great uh, comment uh, to everyone to be aware of yeah. what are those. And it's basically simple. It is. If we, if we don't over, you know, over, complicate the, yeah. the, the, yeah, the project. But to get to simple, it's usually complicated. It's not easy. So this is true. This is true. Okay. So, <laughs> um, so we actually are um, winding up time. And I just wonder, is there anything else that we haven't talked about that you feel is important to share? So this may be not be on topic, but, and I've been promoting this a lot, is that really um, because of all the mask wearing, we're at a smile deficit and we really need to see each other smile more. So any chance you get, you know, don't feel like you're being goofy if you're just smiling at strangers through a car window. I think people really do appreciate it when you do do that. And we all need that for just better mental health. Thank you so very much, Joan Ensel. It has been an absolute delight having a conversation with you. And we're going to share this on the Wonder Podcast, on all those streaming services. And we will look forward to having another conversation with someone maybe as interesting sometime soon. Thank you very much. <laughs>